God. Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the union labels. And to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome aboard, everybody. Welcome aboard. I'm yours, Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Thank you so much for joining us. If this is your virgin voyage, allow me to share with you our mantra. Folks, we want the Republicans out of our bedroom, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our First and Second Amendment rights. We feel there exists this cavernous gap separating the two orthodoxies and that it's a gap comprised of many degreed thinking people who can argue quite passionately in shades of gray. And to that end, each and every show, we have fine guests to help best illustrate this point. Today is no exception. Also, if you wish to hook up with us on the web, it's www.alannathan.com. Don't forget that email address, alan at alannathan.com. That's A-L-A-N. Coming at you live and strong each and every Monday through Friday at this time. Don't forget the classic Alan Nathan show, Saturday, 6 to 7 p.m. And overnight Sunday mornings, 3 to 4, all times Eastern. We are indeed a Main Street Radio Network production. Please check us out at MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. Feel free to avail yourselves of our nascent but always robust Twitter and Facebook options that we have there for you. And, of course, with great dispatch and alacrity, we'd love to thank our distributor, the Salem Radio Network. That's right. The Alan Nathan Show is entering its 25th year of national syndication, all thanks to you. Reaching about 800 towns and cities across a couple of hundred radio station broadcasts each week. Again, all thanks to you. And by the way, I don't care if you're part of the authoritarian left or perpetually clueless right. Please get out of the thought control business. Also, quick side note, you can check us out on podcast options, of course, on alanathan.com as well as MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. Tons of other um, podcast outlets as well. When the federal government isn't busily trying to make them curtail uh, taking these episodes, there, there has been some interruptions, so my apologies, but some massive sites have taken them. But uh, you can also check us out on uh, CRN, uh, massive, uh, the cable radio news network, uh, CRN Digital. Uh, they, of course, carry their programming on Roku, so you can get the program in that fashion as well. So it's all over the place, but the feds are nervous about yours truly because I'm able to bifurcate and deconstruct masturbated woke Nazism in real time, they use corrupted syllogisms, fractured anthememes, um, you know, <laughs> you name it, they're doing it. Movable standard arguments, uh, escapist word association bridges. Basically, they're using this inverted burden of proof construct in all their arguments. And, and they know that as I point out how unsustainable they are, more and more folks are picking up on the lingo. And they're having more and more difficulty putting forward this kind of masturbated sophistry. So I have them nervous, and I'm God knows I'm not one of the biggest shows out there. I've been around a long time, got my reach, reach, you know, have my peeps and all that. But um, they apparently regard all effective dissent as wrong. And in addition to that, <laughs> they they look upon ca- accountability as somehow always being more inappropriate than thinking of it, and it's catching up to them in all manner of forms. For instance, today, as you may have heard. Uh, we got lots on the plate. Manhattan D.A. Bragg wants to prosecute Trump for violating 2016 federal campaign finance laws 
using a three-bank shot without the cushions to get there. Why? Because the statute of limitations have expired. All right? The Fed's already found insufficient evidence, and his own witnesses have lost credibility a long time ago. What, Stormy Daniels? She's already flip-flopped on this issue. Michael Cohn? Give me a break. He's the prince of prevarication. So you have to ask D.A. Bragg, WTF, dude? Also, bank records show that communist China companies gave the Biden family over $3 million through a family associate right after Vice President Biden left office. But you know what? We're supposed to believe that access was never sold. And there's currently no conflict of interest. Who are these guys kidding? I mean, there's sophistry, and then there's sophistry doing a bloody pole dance. Anyway, without further ado, we have assisting in the opining and analyzing. Oh, friend of the show, former state senator Ted Harvey out of the great state of Colorado. He's uh, chairman of the committee to defeat the president at StopJoe.com. He also served as a White House uh, staffer under President Ronald Reagan, was district office manager for Congressman Joel Heffley out of uh, uh, Colorado as well. He himself also served in Colorado's House of Representatives before going to the Senate. Uh, Senator, good to have you back. How are you today? I am great. Thanks for having me on. No, a pleasure, a pleasure. So besides D.A. Alvin Bragg going after Trump, despite the statute of limitations running out, as well as both the feds and his own predecessor finding there really isn't enough evidence to move forward, this guy appears to really really be wrong on the law uh, and doesn't mind being so. He's just going to push forward anyway. Uh, even if the statute of limitations uh, hadn't expired, you got to wonder, what's he up to? I mean, apparently... Um, as Fox News' legal analyst points out, Bragg, quote, skipped over the part about dual-purpose contributions. That is, if money paid serves a double or ancillary function, then it is not a reportable expense or donation to the campaign. Hence, no crime was committed. This has been Trump's argument all along. He did it primarily for personal and commercial reasons. Um, now, that's the end of the excerpt. So I'm asking you, sir, I mean, scores of attorneys weighing in on this have agreed. What's your read on this? Well, if he's going forward with a federal campaign uh, contribution violation, then he doesn't have any jurisdiction over this. He is a local prosecutor, and only the FEC has jurisdiction over campaign contribution violations. So, one, he's wrong on the law, so he doesn't. He can't move forward on that issue. But it, what if it's not on that? Then what is the issue he's going forward on? And um, I don't believe he has any jurisdiction even on a state level issue because the everybody who's been arguing this is that it's a federal violation. So um, I think he's wrong on the law. And he's wrong on the facts. And like you said, he, it's outside the the. the uh, the term on on when you can go move forward on it. So I think it was all just a political charade. I think Trump called him out on it early um, by putting it out on Facebook last week and Twitter and on 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 um, Truth Social. And I think it caused such an uproar going into the weekend that I think the Democrats are scurrying to try to say this is never going this never was going to happen. And I don't think he's ever going to move forward with it. Intriguing, really is. So Trump may have uh, outflanked them, but I mean, honestly, these these guys could not have wrapped up an earlier Christmas present for Trump um, if they were on, you, you know, a shopping list. It, it it strikes me that if there was ever an opportunity for Republicans to have 
the grandest illustration of how politicized the judiciary has become against Trump, at least from New York anyway, as well as the federal government when you think about it. But if there ever was a need to have it illustrated, the Dems pretty much gave it to him, didn't they? I mean, he can now point to this and say, look, see, despite the fact that it's empirically verifiable how nothing of a case they have, they're still moving forward with it. I mean, this at a time when we see that the Biden camp and the feds went out of their way to obscure the Hunter Biden laptop story, which is a grotesque example of campaign uh, election interference. Where am I mistaken? Well, not just that. I mean, you look at the raid on Mar-a-Lago and you, you look at the Hunter Biden laptop. It, it, it is an extreme example of the bias between the judiciary, the Justice Department specifically, and um, the way they're handling Trump and the way they're handling Biden. I think I do think Trump got out in front of this story and he made a big deal out of it to prove the point that the the judiciary and the Democrats are going to weaponize our legal system in any way possible to go after their enemies. And it's not just well, Trump, Bragg, it's anybody that supports Trump. Well, Bragg's office immediately came out and said he was wrong to try to intimidate our office. Since when is subjecting federal employees as well as state government info employees to accountability tantamount to intimidation? By that measure, nobody would ever have a right to object to bad faith conduct from government officials ever again because it could always be characterized as intimidation. I mean, there seems to be a grotesque disconnect uh, between this guy's antics and the King's English. I mean, again, we have this bozo characterizing accountability as somehow being more inappropriate than his shirking of it, or am I overstating it? Absolutely not. But it's, it's not bad faith effort. It's corrupt effort. The Democrats have been weaponizing the, the judicial system to go after their enemies for the last eight years, and that's the definition of corruption. It's its not a true blind justice system. It is the Democrats going after their enemies. And we I, I, I would hope that the American people on either side of the, the political spectrum would be outraged by this. And every time they do it, they only make Trump stronger. And I think the Democrats are going to rue the day they did all of this. I think traditional moderate centrist Democrats are upset by this. I think the woke component which are immersed in socialism and believe that they should be allowed to do anything if it achieves their goals. They're not upset about anything but being humiliated. Uh, I mean, Andrew McCarthy, uh, a former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, uh, Jonathan Turley, Alan Dershowitz, so many of them all agree this would be overturned on appeal. Stick with us. This message is provided by Beringer Engelheim. Idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, or IPF, is one of the more common forms of progressive fibrosing interstitial lung diseases with symptoms including breathlessness during activity, a dry and persistent cough, chest discomfort, fatigue, and weakness. There are more than 200 lung disorders that can lead to pulmonary fibrosis, an irreversible scarring of lungs that can negatively impact lung function, quality of life, and may become life-threatening. While approved treatments for people living with these diseases can help slow disease progression, new therapies are needed to help potentially stop progression. Fortunately, there is new research underway to assess the safety and efficacy of an investigational treatment in patients with IPF and other progressive ILDs. This is part of Beringer Ingelheim's Phase 3 global 
Global Fibronear program. To learn more about Fibronear and eligibility requirements, visit fibronear-ipf.longboat.com and fibronear-ild.longboat.com. This is sponsored by IBM. Job seekers, students, and career changers want to pursue roles in science, technology, engineering, and math, but aren't familiar with career options. At the same time, online training and digital credentials are emerging as a recognized pathway to opportunity. Misconceptions about the cost of training and what's required are often roadblocks to success. To tackle this and bring STEM education closer to underrepresented communities, IBM SkillsBuild is announcing 45 new educational partners. IBM SkillsBuild is a free education program focused on underrepresented communities in tech, helping all develop valuable new skills and access to career opportunities. Justina Nixon St. Till, IBM Chief Impact Officer. Technology training can have a transformational effect on a person's life. IBM is committed to raising awareness of the many roles that exist across industries in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. IBM Skills Build continues to grow with new partners around the world, working together to scale 30 million people by 2030. For more, skillsbuild.org. Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking. But no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times when we were more active and ate more healthy foods and you checked on me every once in a while? Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave, but unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. Listen to your heart and don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. For help keeping yours at a healthy range, text PRESSURE to 97779. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Over here is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Absolutely delighted you could be with us. Uh, covering a number of things here today, Matt Manhattan, uh, D.A. Bragg, wants to prosecute Trump for violating 2016 federal campaign finance laws using a three-bank shot 
without the cushions to get there since the statute of limitations expired. The Fed's already found insufficient evidence, and his witnesses lost credibility a long time ago. So WTF, brag. What's going on with you, man? Get your defecation consolidated because you're looking like a bozo, you rank amateur. I mean, if you're going to do a snow job, please at least bring some refrigeration. I mean, my God, your case is melting before everybody's eyes. Also, bank records show that communist China companies gave the Biden family over $3 million through a family associate right after then-Vice President Biden left office. But we're supposed to believe that access was never sold and there's currently no conflict of interest. <laughs> Who are these idiots kidding? Anyway, uh, I want to go off the little beaten path here a bit, uh, take a look at our border because things are out of there. Th- things are just, just, just beyond every pale within reach. Okay, these folks who tell us that the border is secure uh, while we see droves crossing over uh, illegally right before our very eyes, these folks are are the kind of people that would point uh, to a leaky pipe and call it a water fountain. Okay, they'll point to a drug dealer and refer to him as a street-side pharmaceutical rep. (laughs) They'd point to an old guy picking his nose and say he's merely exfoliating his nostrils. I mean, these schmucks think that because... They'll use labels in lieu of arguments they can't otherwise substantiate. We're supposed to believe them. Well, no, we can't. We have on board joining us right now a friend of the show, Chris Chmielinski. Uh He's vice president of Numbers USA. Good to have you back, Chris. How are you today? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. No, a pleasure, a pleasure indeed. I want to uh, share with you um, a recent exchange that transpired on Capitol Hill. You had Congressman Mark Green, Republican out of the great state of Tennessee, uh, he was asking. You, he, he was. He played a clip uh, in front of um, Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz to get his reaction to what his boss had said sometime earlier. So the clip he is showing this witness is of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas uh, asking him if we have operational control of the border. To which he responded with the word "Yes, yes, we do." And after playing that clip, Green asks. Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz, his reaction to his boss's response. And here's how it went. Clip three, James, if you please. Do we have operational control, yes or no? Yes, we do. We have operational control of the borders. Yes, we do. Chief Ortiz, do you think that uh, Secretary Mayorkas is lying there? Sir, when you talk about operational control, about 10 years ago, we used operational control as a measuring stick of our effectiveness along the southwest border. Uh, my new strategy is geared towards um, uh, mission advantage. So, you, you know, I, I, I'm asking a very specific question, yes, and I, I, you're, you're kind of describing how, how, how the goalpost has been moved because of the mass waves of people that are coming. My question, you heard the secretary. He said we have operational control. That's the definition of operational control. Based upon the definition you have, sir, up there, no. We don't have operational control. No, sir. But is Secretary Mayorkas lying? I I didn't see the rest of the testimony there, sir. He was asked. You you saw. He was asked if we had operational control, and he said yes. Uh, It's either ignorance, which is unacceptable, or it's lying. Oh, no, he's merely knowingly communicating a falsehood. (laughs) These guys take the cake. But again, Biden's Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz contradicts the administration in testimony to Congress by acknowledging that we do not have operational control over the border, which, of course, exposes that uh, DHS Secretary Mayorkas has lied, has lied repeatedly under oath while claiming the opposite. i got to ask you, sir, what follows, Chris? What follows? Yeah, uh, well... 
I hate, you know, unfortunately, that term operational operational control is is somewhat is somewhat loaded because it's actually defined in federal law what operational control is. But I think any American who's been following what's going on down there knows that when you have 125,000 apprehensions a month for the last 24 months, when the historical average is more in the 20 to 30, maybe even 40,000 range in a peak month, um, we don't have our federal government does not have operational control of the border. Uh, and, and instead of getting action from, from the Biden administration, they just seem to mostly ignore it that now nothing's going on down there. All we're going to try to do is try to come up with a more orderly process for the people who want to come here rather than, than just flooding the, the Southern border. It's, it's ridiculous. They really haven't done anything to address the problem. And again, that number I threw out, 125,000 apprehensions for 24 straight months, I think speaks for itself. And it's and it's actually a conservative estimate. I should point that out to yeah, folks. Yeah. Also, uh, Mark Green uh, revisited the question with uh, Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz. And to his credit, the guy had an allegiance to veracity. It's just that said allegiance uh, wound up undercutting what his uh, – his bosses would have preferred him to be saying, I guess. But anyway, uh, Mark Green again with Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz. Uh, this was just, I don't know, four or five days ago. Clip two. James, if you please. Does DHS have operational control of our entire border? No, sir. Okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> I think he was expecting to have to <laughs> help him with some follow-ups. But this was CNN's Who's Talking to Chris Wallace, and on CNN, not many, because who listens to CNN? But anyway, on the show CNN's Who's Talking to Chris Wallace, Chris uh, asks Alejandro Mayorkas, uh, asks the Homeland Security Secretary, what it means for the border to be secured. And listen to how this guy detours the discussion onto, mo- onto the most grotesque, self-indulgent roads of escapism, uh, p- apparently disconnecting himself clumsily from the King's English. Clip one, James, if you please. What does secure mean to you? It certainly doesn't mean that people aren't able to get across the border illegally. Of, of course not. That is, that, by, by that measure, the border has never been secure, right? Um, since the Department of Homeland Security was created, individuals have evaded. So, so by what measure is it secure now, sir? So there, there is not a common definition. Of, oh, of that stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. By this guy's measure... There's no difference between uh, one administration having greater control of the border versus the, a succeeding administration having less control of the border. Because if one person gets through, it means nobody has a secure border. Who buys that masturbated sophistry, Chris? Who? <laughs> yeah, well, unfortunately, if you look at polling, about 20 to 30 percent of Americans are actually buying into it. But I, I would also argue that that group of Americans also really doesn't support a border at all. They, I, I think most of them would support more of an open borders type system where people can just come and go into the United States freely. And we don't have this controlled immigration system that we at least pretend to have. But, you know, you, you, you look at the two comparisons between Chief Ortiz and, and Secretary Mayorkas, you know, one of them's a politician who, who has his own policy goals. The other one's a law enforcement person. So there's two different ways to, to, to look at it here. And and, you know, let's let's not talk about illegal border crossings. Our you know, all of law enforcement is trying to stop murders from happening, homicides from happening. Homicides still happen doesn't mean that we have a major issue. But when you have four times the normal amount of homicides, then all of a sudden your society has a problem that you need to address. 
administration just doesn't want to address the issue in front of them. No, no. And I think they're so clumsy in their execution these days that they're actually doing some of the heavy lifting for the Republicans in their efforts to point these things out. Um, they're just making it easy. Uh, anyway, Chris Chemelinski, always great to have you on board, Vice President at Numbers USA. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. Going to be right back. From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common, but after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve and again on Valentine's Day and on random occasions throughout the the year. They're drawn to each other, though they are each too insecure to be their true selves. So what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist? Author Elise Bryant. This is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are. I hope readers enjoy going along in this ride with Reggie and Delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold. Spring is in the air, and now's the time to spring forward with a delicious breakfast from Burger King, an all-natural Simply Orange juice. Begin your day with a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant sandwich with sizzling sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted American cheese on a toasted croissant, or a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit on a warm buttermilk biscuit. And make it a meal. All Burger King breakfast sandwiches go great with crispy hash browns and pair perfectly with a Simply Orange juice with no added sugar. Never sweetened, never concentrated, and never frozen. Simply Orange goes perfectly with breakfast at Burger King and is rich in vitamin C. And now through March 31st on the BK app, Royal Perks members get a free single croissant sandwich with any Simply Orange juice purchase. Use code BREAKFAST to redeem. Get a jump on spring with breakfast at Burger King. Because you rule. At participating U.S. Burger King restaurants, Royal Perks account required. Restrictions apply. See offer terms for details. Not valid on delivery orders. Sponsored by Coca-Cola. Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. <gasps> what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. The forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Climb puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills 
skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Absolutely delighted you could be with us. Uh, so much into which we're trying to delve, and as, of course, as usual, so little time to pull it off. But we're trying. Manhattan DA Bragg, <clears throat> pardon me, wants to prosecute Donald Trump for violating 2016 federal campaign finance laws using a three-bank shot without the cushions to get there. Because let's face it, the statute of limitations expired. The Fed's already found insufficient evidence. His witnesses have lost credibility. So WTF, Bragg, what is your deal? Get your defecation consolidated because you look like a schmuck. Also, bank records show that communist China companies gave the Biden family over $3 million through a family associate right after then-Vice President Biden left office. Now, a lot of you folks are becoming more and more familiar with the story. Well, then we all have to wonder together, are we really supposed to believe that access was never sold and that there's currently no conflict of interest? Who are these bozos kidding? Who are, the, who are those in woke land trying to kid these days? Well, on another issue we have joining uh, none other than Hans Jansky. Uh, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. I believe that's right. I'm going to be corrected right now. The uh, gentleman will go ahead and, uh, and, and inform me right now. Uh, he's a writer and international independent researcher. His latest book, which has received praise from the likes of Victor Davis Hanson, is titled Out of the Melting Pot Into the Fire. Uh, he talks about how contemporary elites are rejecting the melting pot ideal. Um, they think it's antiquated and racist. They prefer to go with rigid ethnic boundaries and stereotypes, which to me, denotatively or connotatively, actually embodies the very racism the left is ostensibly against. Uh, Jan, it's good to have you on board the show, and please help me out with your surname. How do I pronounce that? <laughs> yeah, actually, the first name is Jens, and the last name is Heike. Jens Heike. Got it. Jens Heike. That's exactly right. Hey, dude, I, I tell you, I could not recall my own name till I was 12, so give me a break. Here. No, I'm <laughs> Jens Heike. 
Going to remember that. Uh, thanks for joining us today. And I think you're on the money about these uh, contemporary elites. They're seemingly embodying the very racism they're ostensibly against. Uh, give us some more in your book. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I feel like we made so many decades of, of progress. The, the melting pot, as you know, is always it's only been an ideal and we've always fallen short of it. But but decade by decade, we we made more and more progress to to getting rid of segregation, to you know, getting rid of Jim Crow, get, getting rid of all all these all these measures that were separating us as, as a people, and then then around the 80s or 90s, we kind of took a U-turn and and headed back in that direction of of resegregating, of 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 re-erecting boundaries between uh, you know not just between black and white, but between other groups as well. No, I think you're onto something. It, it's almost as if the wokeism and and social justice have have proven to be the left's instruments of of modern day sophistry, right? I mean, because so often we've got bad faith assertions of racism um, being used to leverage their position. I mean, you got bad faith assertions of racism, uh, seemingly the result of placing politics behind pigmentation, which sort of ensures that objection to those politics can now be characterized as objection to the race behind which those politics have been placed. You know, I guess I'm talking about uh, identity politics, correct? I mean, for instance, by renaming socialism as social justice and then attaching it to groups like Black Lives Matter and Antifa and what have you, uh, the collectivist left have somehow made functional illiteracy acceptable, right? Uh, I mean, w- exactly. what's your take? Yeah, so so the, the real uh, the real issue is, is that... It's we sort of they, the left has set up a straw man here that they they advocate certain measures and if you're against those you're for perpetuating racism and and as you said it's 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 precisely the opposite and uh, you know no reasonable person denies that that we had decades centuries of racism in this country and that's that's not really the issue the issue is what do we do going forward do do we go with a sort of reverse racism or do we go towards integrating as a country now, well, see, i'll be honest with you i never i never believed in the term reverse racism to me it's just racism it's just pure racism anytime you attribute a particular behavior to folks based on their pigmentation that's just racism so whether people are doing it against blacks or asians or hispanics or whites it doesn't matter if you if if you're just assuming that because somebody's white they're experiencing white privilege and and are therefore racist just because of their pigmentation that isn't in and of itself racism is it not I mean for instance because the left now refers to socialism as social justice and then tethers it to a multitude of minority identity groups it's as if folks are no longer permitted to object to socialism because doing so means they're supposedly objecting to the ethnicity of the group behind which that relabeled socialism now stands I mean, how the hell does that cartoonish stunt expand any rational discussion, especially a discussion on race? I ask you. Yes, I, I, precisely. And, I, you know, one of the things my book gets into is that it, it, it looks at it from a really generic point of view as to whether or not it's good to divide people into into groups, to silo people, depending on, you know, what group they're born into. And... In a lot of the examples I give, I, it's not a black-white thing. It, it, for example, I talk about Sri Lanka and how, how people were divided up there between Sinhalese and Tamils. And, and 
just by initiating that rift, you know, 70 years ago, they they set their their country on a course to civil war and, you know, hundreds of thousands of people dying. And, you know, it's the book goes through many examples like that. Rwanda, many people don't know that that all started with with a sort of a, a fake racial distinct, distinction between uh, Hutus and Tutsis that was uh, started under the Belgian colonial era. And they actually issued identity cards to separate people out by, by, um, by their quote-unquote race. Yeah, they're they're creating wasn't. animosity where there otherwise would be none, or B, they're taking what might exist as ongoing animosity at a lower level and acerbating it for the purposes of another kind of political gain. And I'm sorry, but when individuals or groups make bad faith assertions of racism, aren't they actually committing racism in the name of fighting it? Because what they're doing is they're using race to intimidate dissent on policy debates, thus fulfilling the very definition of racism. I mean, this should be abundantly clear to anyone with an IQ above Kleenex, or am I being too strident? No, I, you know, I, I entirely agree in that, you know, dividing people that way, it's, it's terribly toxic. And, and it's one of the things my, my book shows in great detail is how throughout history doing that, you know, having a group A and a group B and, and giving preferential treatment to one or the other, it just has catastrophic effects for a society. It just, you know, tears it apart. And that's happened repeatedly throughout history. And, and you know, the, the most dangerous thing about it is once you start a rift like that, it's really, really hard to heal. No, it is. It is. And, and I'll tell you something. As a public figure who is a documented supporter of reparations for blacks as well as gay marriage, long before the Democrat Party ever stumbled across its collective wokeness, I have the kind of relevant credibility on this issue which the left could never claim. I... I I have the kind of documented moral authority on this issue about which the left could only have wet dreams. In other words, I was publicly for gay marriage and reparations for blacks years before the DNC ever got around to either of these causes. Uh, by the way, the reparations would be for the Tuskegee experiments and, and uh, Jim Crow laws, not slavery. But accordingly, I get to say this to my former fellow Democrats and their Antifa BLM allies. You are all vile and disgusting authoritarian organizations that use race to intimidate dissent, which reveals that all of you are the very fascist racist you ostensibly oppose. And those never-Trumpers who enable you are no less vile and disgusting and racist and by the way, I'm a DeSantis supporter, not a Trump supporter. Am I overstating any of my angst against these people in any way, shape, or form, or is it all justified? I ask you, sir. Yes. Well, you know, when we talk about about liberals in this on this particular question, I, I, I actually refer you to Arthur Schlesinger, who was really an icon of. Uh, uh, of the liberal establishment, you know, his Kennedy cabinet, he actually wrote a book back in the 1990s called The Disuniting of America that, that frankly espouses precisely the viewpoints that, that, you know, that you're talking about today. And so there's been a shift because, you know, he, he, he was really, like I said, an icon of, of the liberal establishment. And it's an excellent book, which I, I'd refer everybody to read to. I, well, then I, I, echo, I echo that recommendation. And by the way, to all the left, uh, we have to realize for them, all centrists are right-wingers just because 
they're not part of their fringe borders. So to lefties just coming across my show real fast, let me share with you what my audience has known for years, okay? I'm a former Democrat who will never register as a Republican. But as a centrist, I'm against the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach that's gagging our politics today. All right, And that perspective, by the way, is shared by millions who, like me, are social progressives that turned away from Democrats because they become hostile to the very constitutional free speech protections that allowed social progressivism to rise as it has. But yes, I agree with conservatives who want smaller government, lower taxes, and originalist judges versus those on the left adopting the living document theory in which our individual rights become less secure simply because of the age of the Constitution's text. In December, LastPass, a popular app for managing passwords, suffered a security breach, potentially exposing millions of people's personal information. When a business created to protect passwords gets hacked, it's a reminder how vulnerable our sensitive information can be when stored in the cloud. And for businesses who need to protect data, security is a top concern. To help prevent security risks, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud recently introduced a password manager, JumpCloud's Antoine Jabara. Businesses cannot always rely on an offline solution as users need to share and access passwords across multiple devices. And cloud-based options aren't ideal either. JumpCloud Password Manager takes a hybrid approach, storing data on users' devices and seamlessly syncs user vaults to multiple devices in an end-to-end encrypted way. This addresses some of the limitations of cloud-based systems and bridges the gap between convenience and security. To learn more, visit jumpcloud.com. Vitamin B12 is important for supporting not only our metabolism, but also our energy levels. Our brain and our nerves need certain vitamins like B12 in order to function properly. Even if you're eating all the healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and getting you know great sources of protein, it's sometimes the case that you can become deficient in one or more nutrient, and that's where supplements can be helpful. So if you want to support your B12 levels, Jaro's Methyl B12 is a great supplement to consider to optimize your B12 levels. This type of B12 is recognized by the body, so it's delivered to your cells more efficiently. It's also been shown that it is a great way to make sure that you're getting a highly absorbed form of vitamin B12 and one that's gonna be retained better than other types of B12. You can learn more at jaro.com. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes, their age, the way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got got his first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. 
I was driving through a green light when a car in cross traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year. Remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. I'm Ben Affleck, and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting Paralyzed Veterans of America. Our vets need you. I'm a quadriplegic. I'm definitely at risk with my diminished lung capacity. I have MS. I'm in a wheelchair, and I can't leave the house because I have a compromised immune system. I'm very concerned about would there be a bed for me, would there be a ventilator for me? Would I be able to survive something? It's, it's just heavy. You know, it's, it's a heavy... It's a heavy moment. This is a war. This really is. Our veterans fought for us. Let's fight for them. I am so grateful for the PVA. They're making sure that we have all of the food and supplies that we need right now. We all gotta help each other right now. We can't get through this by ourselves. It's with profound gratitude that you're gonna be saving our lives. To find out how you can help, please go to helppva.org. That's H-E-L-P-P-V-A dot org. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, everybody. Alan Nathan, the Militant Moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. But once again, Manhattan DA Bragg wants to prosecute Trump for violating 2016 federal campaign finance laws using a three-bank shot without the cushions to get there because, first of all, the statute of limitations has expired. The Fed's already found insufficient evidence to go forward on this. And his witnesses lost credibility. Be Stormy Daniels. Cone, give me a break. WTF, Bragg, what's up? Also, we will be getting into this in some time in the not-too-far-distant future. Bank records do show that communist China companies gave the Biden family over $3 million through a family associate, did so right after. Then Vice President Biden left office. But we're supposed to believe that access was never sold and there's currently no conflict of interest. Who are these idiots kidding? Who are they kidding? Nobody that has an IQ above Kleenex. Is believing this. Anyway, back to uh, Trump's uh, possible indictment. Uh, even Ron DeSantis, who I support, uh, and who's been subjected to some stupid commentary against Trump. Trump's trying to characterize him as a rhino, when in fact, Ron DeSantis is the direct antithesis of the rhino. As a matter of fact, he's got a lot of the policy uh, points that are popular with so many people uh, without carrying the Trump baggage. And the baggage isn't just how law enforcement's trying to go after him all the time um, without any credible basis. But just from his own mouth, the guy screws himself over. I remember when he was president, he would accomplish something phenomenal, like the Abraham Accords, but then he would turn around and say something imbecilic, and the following day, instead of people covering what was accomplished, they'd be talking about whatever stupid thing he said. It looks as if DeSantis knows how to thrust and parry with the press and render them diminutive in real time as he needs to. So he's not only got the policy chops of Trump, but he has 
the eloquence that Trump only wishes he could acquire. But anyway, you have Ron DeSantis coming out in defense of Trump. Clip four. James, if you please. Attorney is a Soros-funded prosecutor. And so he, like other Soros-funded prosecutors, they weaponize their office to impose a political agenda on society at the expense of the rule of law and public safety. He has downgraded over 50% of the felonies to misdemeanors. He says he doesn't want to even have jail time for the vast, vast majority of crimes. And what we've seen in Manhattan is we've seen the, sky, the, the crime rate go up and we've seen citizens become less safe. And so you're talking about this situation with, and look, if you have a prosecutor who is ignoring crimes happening every single day in his jurisdiction, and he chooses to go back many, many years ago uh, to try to use something about porn star hush money payments, you know, that's an example of pursuing a political agenda and weaponizing the office. And where's DeSantis wrong? He isn't so, not in the least. So besides D.A. Alvin Bragg going after Trump, uh, despite the statute of limitations running out, as well as both the feds and his own predecessor finding there isn't enough evidence to move forward, he appears to also be wrong on the law, even if the statute of limitations hadn't expired. Even if that happened, even if that hadn't happened, he would still be wrong on the damn law. Apparently, as Fox News legal analyst uh, um, uh, Greg Jarrett points out, Bragg quote skipped over the part about dual purpose contributions. So let's make sure the let's make believe the law hadn't even run out. Okay, let's make sure let's make believe that. Uh, the statute of limitations hadn't expired. Bragg would still be screwing up in this area. He apparently, quote, skipped over the part about dual-purpose contributions. That is, if money paid serves a double or ancillary function, then it is not a reportable expense or donation to the campaign. Hence, no crime was committed. This has been Trump's argument all along. He did it primarily for personal and commercial reasons. End of excerpt. And scores of attorneys weighing in on this have agreed. Matter of fact, Andrew McCarthy, a former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, along with George Washington law professor Jonathan Turley, oh, don't forget Harvard law professor emeritus Alan Dershowitz, they all have similar sentiments that they've been expressing. And each has made it abundantly clear that any action taken by Bragg would be overturned on appeal. Now, folks, I'm sorry, but indicting, indicting anyone for constructing a legal non-disclosure agreement driven by a perfectly legal purpose to keep an accusation of infidelity secret does not a violation of federal campaign finance laws equal. And th- this is especially the case when federal law enforcement is grotesquely okay with censoring a far more egregious revelation surrounding the Hunter Biden laptop story. Thus, of course, blatantly committing election interference. How is that a hell of a not, how is that not far worse than going after what is apparently no longer a crime anymore because it has reached the statute of limitations. All right. This is this is bizarre. The statute of limitations have expired. But even if they hadn't, again, as Jeff, as Greg Jarrett points out, if money paid serves a double or ancillary function, 
such as just wanting to not have his family subjected to, you know, even the accusation of infidelity. And he, of course, has maintained that he didn't do it, and we can all, you know, believe what we want in that regard. Fine. But the bottom line is we're talking about something that has yet to be shown to be true. It'd be one thing if Trump was covering up an actual affair. But what he's covering up isn't even that. He's covering up the accusation of having an actual affair. But if he's doing it for the purpose of protecting his company's name, his company's reputation, and more importantly, uh, the sensibility of his family from hearing the accusation, well, that would constitute a double or ancillary function. And therefore would render it no longer a reportable expense or donation to the campaign, as Garrett points out. So accordingly, no crime would have been committed. This is so very odd. So very, very odd. Meanwhile, we got a lot, we have things going on that are are far more injurious. I mean, look what's happening now. Looking at this uh, New York Post story where uh, Congressman James Comer is letting people know that the Bidens in China probably had 11 other uh, other deals. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer revealed Sunday that the Biden family may have made as many as 11 additional business deals with China on top of the $3 million wire transfer. This is just beyond every pale reachable. And we're supposed to believe that Access to office powers were not sold, and conflict of interest is no longer a concern. Give us all a break. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.